Presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board. This is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. The podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland. Welcome to Your Church on Mission. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. I love to le- read uh, leadership articles and uh, books and those kind of things that, from a variety of places. I think if leadership is leadership, and we can learn from a lot of people. And so, uh, over the holidays, I read this article that I want to talk to you about today. It was a study published in the British Journal of Health Psychology, and researchers measured how frequently people exercise over a two-week period. And so, they started with 248 adults. And they put them in three different groups. Now, let me explain the groups to you. Uh, Group number one was the control group. And they were asked to keep track of how frequently they exercised over the next two weeks. Uh, Before they left, each person was asked to read the opening three paragraphs of an unrelated novel. That's just how they do control groups. That's group number one. Group number two, they called the motivation group. They were also asked to keep track of how frequently they exercise, exercise over the next two weeks. Then each person was asked to read a pamphlet on the benefits of exercise for de- reducing the risk of heart disease. Participants in group two were also told this. Most young adults who have stuck to a regular exercise program have found it to be very effective in reducing their chances of developing coronary heart disease. The goal of these actions was to motivate group two to exercise regularly. And then there was the third group. Group three, they called the intention group. After being told to track their exercise, they also read the motivational pamphlet and they got the same speech as group two. That was to ensure both groups two and three were motivated equally. But unlike group two, group three, they were asked to formulate a plan for when and where they would exercise over the following week. Specifically, each person in group three was asked to explicitly state their intention to exercise by completing the following statement. Here it is. During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on blank day at blank time of day and at blank place. So they had to fill in this sentence. During the next day, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on blank at blank at blank. Day, time of day, and in place. So after getting all those instructions, all three groups left. Now here, here was the surprising results. Two weeks later, the researchers themselves were surprised by what happened in the three groups. In the control group, all they were asked to do was to write down how much they exercised. 38% of people exercised at least once per week in that group. In the motivation group, only 35% of participants exercise at least once per week. Now get this. In the intention group, 91% of participants exercised at least once per week. 91%. Simply by writing down a plan that it said exactly when and where they intended to exercise, the participants in group three were much more likely to actually follow through, almost three times more likely. More surprising was the fact that 
having a specific plan worked really well, but motivation didn't work at all. Group one with no motivation did better than group two that had the motivation. As here's how the researchers put it. Motivation had no significant effects on exercise behavior. The researchers discovered that what pulls that desire out of you and turns it into real world action isn't your level of motivation, but rather a plan for implementation. In fact, over a hundred separate studies in a wide range of experimental situations have come to the same conclusion. People who explicitly state when and where their new behaviors are going to happen are much more likely to stick to their goals. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. What in the world does this exercise study have to do with evangelism? Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Scott Smith, and we're going to dive directly into that question. I'm joined today with, by my co-host, Scott Smith. Scott, what did you think when you read that article? Oh, so eye-opening, and uh, I, I think the big reason that it's eye-opening for, for me is, you know, having a background in ministry and spending a lot of time in the pulpit, as you have, we often think in terms of motivation, primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can we say, and even if, obviously, we're expository from the text, we're, you know, how are we going to shape this message or, you know, illustrate it in a certain way that it will motivate people to go and do uh, what whatever the uh, the text or the message is designed to, to get them to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, for us to think in terms of actually making, uh, you know, church, any kind of any kind of spiritual discipline, including evangelism, show up in the life of the people that we're we're pastoring or leading, uh, this is a very eye opening study, uh, and totally yeah. reshapes the conversation uh, and the outcomes. I believe. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of it, Scott, that goes against the grain of how we as pastors maybe think and have been taught, which is sermons are, you know, motivational. And we tend not to do a lot of intention in our sermon. So so maybe I'm not wording this correctly. Uh, we do motivation in our sermons and we even do some application, but not always in the application are we putting laid out plans of intention in our application? Are we? No, I, I think that it would. It, it definitely moves us toward being more specific in our application when we're talking about uh, any, again, any spiritual discipline or improving any area of your life, or, or really the better the better term is aligning it more with the scriptural principles that we're preaching. So when it comes to like evangelism, very little of our application has ever been, you know, select a time and place. Now, I think Mm -hmm. where we've done well at this, and this is why we see more baptisms, more conversions coming out of like, for instance, major event Sundays like Easter or maybe some kind of, you know, let's say a wild game dinner or some kind of a, 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 an event evangelism exercise is because it's exactly that. It's a time, it's a place, and we're calling people to uh, leverage that opportunity for evangelism and it's already on the calendar. You know, it shows up in right. in the real world in the future, so to speak, on on a calendar. It's going to happen. Yep. Well, if you look back at you know, for example, uh, what I do leading up to Easter, the eight or ten weeks, twelve weeks before Easter, really, what you did uh, at Georgia this year with the big invite, 
you were laying out the intentional week by week strategies for evangelism, right? Take take this sign and do this this week. Take this card and invite this person this week. Take this social media post. Uh, we had intention built into those type uh, programs, didn't we? Yeah, and I, I think the great thing about and, and they didn't state it exactly like this in in the study, but you're sort of bypassing motivation and intention. Obviously, those two things have to be included. There has to be a desire for improvement. There's no question, but you're kind of by, bypassing those. You know, uh, one of the great things that Dr. McDill used to say in our preaching class in seminary was, um, you know, in sermon building, it's more about perspiration than inspiration. And I would extrapolate that out across every area of life, including evangelism. It's really more about perspiration than inspiration. So we're waiting yep. to feel motivated. We're waiting to feel inspired. And from the ministry side, we're trying to inspire and motivate when we can really bypass all that by actually getting someone to discipline themselves to actually put something down uh, on a calendar or plan a time and a place uh, where they'll witness, how they'll witness, and to whom they'll witness very specifically, and you're not relying anymore at that point on, you know, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the green vapor of, of anointing to, to float in at the right time and, and, you know, or whatever the, the, the Holy ghost goosebumps, as we used to say, to show up first, uh, we're just going to make it happen, you know, according to the plan laid out. Scott, I think that, you know, that's totally right. So let's talk about this from the pastor's standpoint for a little bit from, from a big picture. You've often said something to pastors, which is the place to start with a plan is where? Yeah, with a with a with a pencil and a calendar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really mm-hmm. how, how it should. Your your evangelism strategy starts with a pencil and a calendar. I think um, obviously you'll have to brainstorm with your staff and and get things in place, but invariably before that meeting is over. Uh, it needs to be on the church calendar. Uh, there needs to be times, dates, places, things that are implemented um, uh, that are placed on a calendar. So they'll be implemented in real life. Yep. So, uh, you know, I think, I think what happens, I've done this as a pastor, Scott, before I have set back in one time with my staff years ago, year, I mean, 15 years ago, I set a goal. We're going to baptize a hundred people in a year. And, um, I think we wound up baptizing, you know, 50, 40, 49, 52. I, I don't remember the exact number. But I was trying the whole year long. I was motivational. We we shared it with the church, and I talked about baptizing a hundred, and never once had a plan. Never, never, ever had a plan uh, to do it. I think most pastors fall in that category. Now, in recent days, what I've done is laid out a goal that I didn't even share, other than with the staff, and we put a plan together. Uh, the intentionality of. And you and I are going to do a podcast on this. I, I know this year sometime about he, 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 the the student pastor needs to baptize this many. Now here's the here's the plan to do it. Here's, he's going to do this many on this day. Yeah, you know, yeah. and went down the list. And it got it out of the realm of hey, here's what I think happens. And we we've, we've kind of alluded to this on the motivation end. Believers know they should be sharing their faith. Pastors know they should be doing evangelism. Uh, it's one reason in Georgia over the years, you've done a strategy conference. Like we have the motivation. There is an intrinsic internal motivation about evangelism that we get it. We, we know that we know souls are either going to heaven or hell when they die. And there is no in between place uh, or in the middle place. And good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. Saved people go to heaven and unsaved people go to hell. Like we get that. 
But that doesn't make us a better witness just knowing that. What makes us a better witness is intentionality uh, with evangelism. Yeah, no question. We spent a lot of time uh, interviewing top baptizing pastors across our state. Without question, intentionality is a common denominator. That word comes up without my prompting at all in these interviews. And and you find that also, Joel, obviously in your research uh, as you that you've done across the SBC. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, that word comes up a lot. They're using that word with their staffs. That they're using that word with their with their leaders. But intentionality is still a notion until it is absolutely um, uh, showing up in, in, the, in the real plan of the life of the church, which is obviously the right. church calendar. That's right. Right. And I think you'll notice this in a lot of churches, Scott, and, and pastors, I know this is a podcast, but you can say amen to this. What we wind up with is we have this intention to be evangelistic, but our activities lead us otherwise. So... When you look at the calendar you just mentioned, it does not back up the evangelism intentionality we were talking about in our sermon or in our staff meeting or whatever. Uh, We have the intentionality in those small settings, but then the actual activities are, have nothing to do with evangelism, you you know, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. In our, in some of our church revitalization work, uh, you know, Larry Wynn handles that here in Georgia. And I know that, um, that probably different states take the similar approach, but one of the questions that gets asked at the beginning is, "What are your What are your values?" And every church uh, yep. is going to give you pretty much the same values, and in there somewhere it's going to be the Great Commission and soul winning and and conversions to Christ, bringing people to Jesus. However, they're going to word that. But when you look at the checkbook and the calendar, uh, yeah, the actual right. value. So you you essentially have two sets of values. You have aspirational values and you have actual values. And That's most right. every church has the same aspirational values that always include evangelism, but the actual values obviously are the ones that are actually showing up in what the church actually does over the course of a 12 month calendar. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's one, one, one set are platitudes. The other set are practicum. You, you know, we're, we're talking about this pie in the sky over here, but in actuality uh, we spent more money on our, you know, whatever our fellowship dinners than what we did on evangelism. Yeah. You know, in the average church, that's that's very common. That's very common, you know? And so having the plan to fall through. So let's turn this around and let's help pastors. I think, uh, maybe put this into practice. What does it mean if we're, if we're going to get beyond the realm of motivation and we're going to get into the realm of implementation plans for implementation, uh, here's some things, Scott, that maybe a pastor could do. For example, get the calendar and the pencil and write out on the calendar when you are going to do evangelism things. That's the easiest, that's the most simplistic way I can say it. When are you going to do uh, a harvest day? When are you going to go tell lost people about Jesus? Because I'll be honest, man, the year get away from you in a hurry and you intended to do a lot of things. Um, how are you going to be evangelistic on Easter? That's a huge problem in Southern Baptist life. Easter comes and goes, and no one comes to faith in Christ on Easter Sunday. So, Scott, that just doesn't happen for go back to go back to Easter. Evangelism just doesn't happen because it, there's a lot of people there, does it? No, absolutely not. So, again, intentionality. We're going to preach the gospel 
very specifically to our children, our students, and church-wide on Easter. Um, and so you're going to flesh that out. I think, uh, and this is a really a question I'd have for you, Joel, would be if, uh, you know, if you're sitting down with your staff and you're looking at what are we going to do that's evangelistic this year or what are we already planning to do that we plan every year to make it more evangelistic, is there a quota? I mean, do we look at the student guy and say, look, you know, you need to have at least this number of specific events related to evangelism. You need to have this specific number of trainings on personal evangelism. I mean, how do you break that out for each of your uh, ministry areas in your church, whether it's an age demographic uh, ministry area like students or, or whether it's all, you know, everybody in Sunday school, for instance, or small groups. I mean, what, how far do you go in far, as far as getting granular in your assignment of, you know, quotas for evangelistic intentionality? Yeah, I think, I think, so you have to be careful when you start talking, you know, the language of numbers. And so I'm, I put this caveat in every other podcast. When we're talking about numbers, we're, we're talking about souls, right? We're all aware of that. I don't have to say that. But I think, Scott, I'm waiting for the latest numbers to come out. I think the average church baptizes one person for about every 20 people in worship, active attendance in worship, right? Per member, it's like 55 to one. But I think for average attender in worship, it's about 20 to one. Now, I'm waiting for the new numbers to come out. When I run a list of top baptizing churches, uh, I use a 10 to one ratio, double what the national average is typically. So if the national average, let's say we're 18 to one, I'll use a nine to one ratio. For every nine active members in worship, we baptize one person. So let me make it simple for you. And you can do the math yourself as a pastor. If you're running a hundred in worship, the average church will baptize five. Uh, if you want to be considered highly evangelistic, baptize 10, right? So let's, let's use that number. I want to get granular with it. As you said, let's use that number a uh, 10. Well, where are 10 baptisms going to come from? Well, either, you, you can break it down as broadly as you want to break it down. Uh, but if you're going to baptize 10 in an average church, probably, probably, and these are just general numbers. Three of those would be adults. Uh, three of those might be kids uh, and, you know, second grade and up, and maybe four of those would be students. Um, now, now we start having real world conversations with a student, you know, at a church of a hundred is going to be a volunteer. Um, how are we going to see four baptisms in, in a year? That's one a quarter. How are we going to baptize three adults? That's one every four months. So basically you baptize one in the spring, one in the summer, one in the fall as an adult. Um, that starts helping you get to implementation. I think when you, when you've got to break it down in as many, here's, here's what I like to say, break down as many parts as you can, turn it over, look at it, that number as many different ways as you can. And then tell me every way you can think of to get to that number. Right. And what that does is you get the focus then on evangelism. When I know, Hey, I, I'm, I'm responsible for baptizing four students this year. Uh, I know, Hey, I've got to, and so you know, you know, I'm going to be working on that all year long. So I think that leads to the intentionality, Scott. I think it does need to be that, that, that granular, that, that breaking it down into, you know, okay, well, I'm going to baptize four students. Well, I got a summer camp in there. I've got Wednesday night worship, maybe that I want to see come to faith in Christ. I'll be sharing the gospel in the schools uh, to baptize four. I'm going to probably need to see about eight saved. So, so uh, eight saved for look, I hope that didn't sound too complex, but I think that's a worthy exercise when it comes 
to evangelism because that breaks it down a lot better than just saying let's do our best to baptize ten this year. Yeah. So so then it would it would just it would just fall back to your leaders or staff to figure out. Well, we already know that every year we do this event and X number come to Christ, so we're going to do that right, and then we're going to mm-hmm. add this other event or we're going to make this 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 particular event a different event more evangelistic. So it just sort of puts the onus on them to think in terms of what is working for us or what potentially has or what has more evangelism potential. And he'll have to figure that out. But but the but the the it goes back to the same principle though. We're 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 looking at it from an evangelism standpoint and saying, what are we going to put on the calendar to actually right. make evangelism happen? And I think once you kind of have a goal of a number, then you know what to start putting on the calendar. Uh, to reach that goal. I I think that's, I think that if you think those terms, if you kind of break the numbers down first and you think in those terms, then it helps you be more intentional of what I'm going to put on the calendar, you know, uh, because for a church, for a church run a hundred to baptize 10, that's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a church run a thousand to baptize a hundred, that's, that's fairly significant, Mm -hmm. you know, and that that never will happen in a church that size um, without intention. I see churches all the time, Scott, you do too, that run 1,500 and baptize 52. All the time. That's, that happens by accident. Like you, you, You'll have that many. If you preach the gospel at all, if you run 1,500, you'll baptize, um, you know, uh, 50 or whatever. Right. But, but – if you're in 1500 and to, to make a, my list of highly evangelistic churches, you got to baptize 150. That's not happening by accident. There has to be intentionality and there has to be a plan to accompany that intentionality that you write down, you put into place for the whole year. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're a pastor, uh, this, this podcast will either be posted in January or February. Uh, we're doing it this right now because we want pastors to just to repeat ourselves pull out the pencil, <laughs> get a calendar, yeah. ev- evaluate what you're doing. Where are you spending your money? I- I'll give you an example, Scott, the church I'm at. Uh, we we decided not to do D-NOW with students anymore. We had over 250 students involved in D-NOW. And last year we had two come to faith in Christ. And so my student pastor said, hey, we're evaluating that. And we've determined that's not worth the energy efforts and, and resources that we put into that. Hmm. And, and so we're switching it and doing something else that doesn't require all the liability that comes with staying in people's homes, you know, and all that nowadays. Right. Um, but that's because they're trying to be intentional with it. There, there, there's a plan being laid out with intentionality. I love that. And, and man, it, it changes, it changes our thinking. I think as pastors, more motivation is not going to help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, help. so coming down to the, the personal evangelism level, which Ultimately, a lot of our sermons are geared toward motivating people to go mm-hmm. share their faith with coworkers and classmates. Um, I think one of the one of the implications this has, and, and we've seen this in some of the data, is that when you formalize and calendar personal evangelism, and we say, how how would you do that? Well, there there are courses and and studies and and turnkey evangelism campaigns that do things like this, for instance, where you know you'll get. Uh, folks in your in your church, maybe even small group leaders, to do this uh, to open their home to the community x number of days a week for a, a almost like a 
I guess like a seeker type Bible study or, you know, uh, something like that, a, you know, a, a, a reconnecting with your faith kind of thing. That's, that's obviously in a neutral location in somebody's home to have mm-hmm. those storying or dialogue questions and answer about Christianity and things like that. Uh, a lot of times those are very effective because they, they have that element of scheduling their time and place. And there are certain, formulas to getting the message out in the community, inviting people in your home. You know, there's, there's a pre-play turnkey, a pre-laid turnkey plan uh, for, for them to do, uh, you know, how to, how to host these kind of meetings and things like that. And so you get mm-hmm. people sometimes sharing their faith in that kind of way, using almost like a Bible study or a guide or a formula um, that maybe would have never shared their faith before because they're waiting on the motivation end. You know, they're, they're waiting right. on, to feel inspired enough or bold enough or courageous enough to actually share the gospel with their coworker. Now we want everybody to share their testimony and, and to share their faith. I mean, that's, we still, mm-hmm. all that's valid, but sometimes we see people more engaged when we give them a plan. I know one of the big uh, comments that we got off of our big Easter push across Georgia last year was a lot of the pastors uh, took that plan and, and said this, they said they saw more people, inviting people and engaged in outreach than ever. Some pastors said that they saw people engaged in outreach who had never been engaged in outreach. Um, and literally it, it turned the corner for them. And, and they said that after Easter, some of these folks were, were still going out. They were still doing things involved in the evangelism program of the church that were never involved before because of what they did with Easter. Well, the, the thing that happened with the Easter plan was it was just that it was a plan. It was on the calendar and here, you know, or five ways you can get involved or whatever. And people plugged mm-hmm. into that because it was, mm-hmm. it was a done for you kind of thing. Uh, some of it many times scripted, you know, those types of things and people just plug into it uh, on those dates and times. And it actually changes their whole perspective on, on their own personal role in evangelism. Yeah. And, and you provided a plethora of tools to, to help them be successful. So I, I think what happens is, uh, as a pastor, we, we I hear it all the time. Well, my people just, you know, they're just not, they don't care about evangelism. Man, they do, but they don't have time to put a plan together. So they need the pastor to put a plan together so that they can go do the easy part of implementation, which is exactly what we want them to do anyway. We, I called it the dummy system, you know, when I pastor. We, 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 we as a church put the plan together so any old dummy can execute it. We want our members to be able to execute a plan that's highly, highly um, uh, accomplishes things, not just activity. And so like your Easter plan was that. It, it was, hey, here's a bunch of tools. Here's the plan. Now just go execute the plan. We've done all the work for you. You go execute the plan. I, I think, Scott, it, it too, it changes the way you preach. Um, so next time you're preaching on evangelism, I mean, th- this – article by me think it's not just, Hey, go, go tell people about Jesus. It's, Hey, here's a, here's, here's two invitation cards to church. When you walk in the office on Monday morning before 10 o'clock, hand out these two invitation cards to two people in your office, you know, who don't go to church somewhere, right? That's not rocket science, but our people aren't doing it. No, no, absolutely. I had a fantastic lunch uh, last week with Lee Taylor, uh, who's on staff over at Johnson Ferry uh, Baptist Church uh, with with um, Bryant Bryant Wright. And uh, Mm -hmm. man, they they 
have an incredible uh, approach to evangelism where they're trying to get their people to simply ask the question, hey, can I pray for you? And that's yep. their entire conversation starter strategy. Well, anybody can do that. So they're, they're mm-hmm. having big numbers show up at their evangelism trainings, and it's all about how do you take can I pray for you to a gospel uh, conversation. And so they, told, they teach them how to bridge that. But, but that's, that's a great ad because to say, look, folks, you need to go out. Here's an application. You need to walk up to somebody that you love and care about and, and tell them about Jesus. You know, that is such an intimidating concept for so many of our people. So when you when you come one step back this side of that and say, look, do you can you show enough care to offer prayer? I think that's like their line they actually use. Wow. So caring about people wow. and just praying for people. And that gets the conversation started. That gets people to open up. And of course, you know, those instances, I mean, people come back saying, man, I first time I went out and did that, the person broke down in tears and we ended up talking about the Lord. And wow. so you get a few of those testimonies under your belt and you're energizing an entire group of people in your church to do something so simple. Anybody can do it, but that's a very specific thing. So you can say tomorrow, uh, if you or the next time you eat at a restaurant, ask mm-hmm. your waitress, if you can pray for her, that's very specific. And even though it's not on a calendar, you know, that next time you go to a restaurant, which will be in the next week, probably for most people. They're going to just have that on their agenda. They're going to speak to their waitress and ask if they can pray for her. So that that becomes a very simple application that shows up in real time. And in, in the mind of the prospect, it's not open-ended. It's not vague. It's very specific. And it's something actionable that they can do. And so I would say in the same way we started this off with the study, where in the 30s percents, uh, 33%, 35% of people exercise based on reading a motivational piece about why you ought to exercise versus 90 plus percent that actually did it mm-hmm. because they had something very specific in mind about where and when, if you can put a where and when in the minds of your people around evangelism, you're going to see instead of the 20% that may share their faith this week, you know, it's going to be 40%, 50%, 70%, 90% because you're, you're hammering home in your message or in your discipleship class or in your, your training, your personal evangelism, personal evangelism training, something very specific that's going to happen, you know, at a fixed time in the future, but it's simple that they can do that's not intimidating. And that can get the ball rolling on evangelism uh, across a, 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 a big swath of your church uh, because it's just that specific. Yeah, love that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up and I'm going to read this sentence again because I want our pastors to hear it. The researchers discovered that what pulls that desire out of you and turns it into real world action isn't your level of motivation, but rather your plan for implementation. Pastors, help your members and you yourself come up with a plan for evangelism implementation. Hey, one of the things we'd encourage you to do is to challenge your church to have gospel conversations. We're at the North American Mission Board this year. That is one of our focuses. So we'd love for you to go to gcchallenge.com, gcchallenge.com. You'll find a lot of tools there that'll help you help your church have uh, gospel conversations and enter a challenge for your church uh, this year to try to have so many gospel conversations. And it'll bring evangelism to the forefront of your church. Thanks for listening to Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. To find out more about leading your church on mission, be sure and check out the blog, www.namb.net 
forward slash your church on mission. To send in a comment or question, email it to evangelism at namb.net. <laughs>